Hi everybody, welcome back to my City of Champions podcast, where we talk with local Edmonton athletes, artists, and entrepreneurs to hear their stories, find out what drives them, and learn their keys to success. Today I'm pumped to chat with Keegan Lowe, former Edmonton Oil King and Western Hockey League champion, current Edmonton Oiler prospect, and he just also happens to be my brother. Keegan is probably the second most competitive person I know, next to our dad of course, which leads to some pretty intense but hilarious family gatherings. Keegan and I talk about his junior hockey days, turning pro, his first NHL fight, and a little bit more. Please enjoy my conversation with Keegan. Keegs, how you doing today, man? Good, thanks. How are you, Shane? I'm very good. How's training going? Pretty good so far. Uh, just down to crunch time now, so hopefully, just yeah. gotta hope that it's all working. <laughs> how's uh, how's the new car treating you? Very good. Very excited about it. Who'd you buy it off of? Glenn Sather. Glenn Sather. He didn't dri- he didn't drive it much though. Hey? No, no, must have been in New York a lot. <laughs> um. Man, I miss your junior days. Like, I miss the days when we used to go to all your games, watch you pretty much dominate every team. Um, And you guys had such a tight group of guys. Like, you had buddies over at the house. You guys were always together. How do you think that happened? Um, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it was one of those special teams where right from the start, you know, we struggled a lot our first year. And the core group of guys that were there the first year, you know, went through all that together and then when we started winning you know we got to see how fun it was and it became uh, you know everybody grew together we were all like kind of similar age group and we so we kind of spent those four years together and went through the ups and downs but we were fortunate enough to have most of the ups and you know everyone was saying at the time that junior hockey is the funnest time of your career and you're like yeah yeah sure when it's going on but uh, looking back it you know it was like we were we were lucky to have an extremely talented team and it was just fun to go out there every night and and extremely talented is like an understatement i was looking at the list of past oil kings who have played in the nhl it's you brassois tristan jerry curtis lazar david musil mark pissick griffin reinhardt henrik samuelson and i don't know if you played with this guy but thomas vincour yeah he was there my first year so but he wasn't there like through our winning days. <laughs> oh, right. So yeah. he did all yeah. the lifting at the, at the start. Yeah. Um, so what was it like when you won the WHL championship at home? It was it was un- amazing. I mean, it was, like I said, we, we struggled our first year. Then our second year we uh, lost in the playoffs and then uh, in the first round. And then we ended up coming all the way through four rounds and, you know, had a pretty dramatic winning streak through that too. I think we won our last 10 or 12 games of the season and then into swept the first two rounds. And then we ended up losing a game in the conference conference finals. We lost game four. So it was just a really fun ride. And, you know, we went out there every night and we were having fun. You know, we had, it was most important games we've ever played, all of us. But we also, uh, it didn't seem like it. We were having tons of fun and there were no nerves at all. So. And then coming home, game seven, like I said, we lost game six in Portland and we came home and we got to do it in front of the, the home crowd and the crowd in the city and all our families were behind us, so it was super fun. Couldn't have planned it any better. Now you guys were obviously a pretty fun group during the season. Did those uh, antics, let's call them, uh, go into the playoffs as well? 
or you guys quite a bit more professional not or you weren't unprofessional but you guys like to have fun right yeah i mean i i really don't think things changed a whole lot when we went into the playoffs and that was why we were able to be so successful we we knew what got us there and you know we we knew what we had to do and put in the work during the week to prepare for the next team or the next round and then moved on to uh you know when we won kind of each round we we had our fun and enjoyed it and then gone into the next task and that was just kind of our how our schedule worked in the playoffs and it worked well for us so then moving into your draft year um the rumor was that you talked to the Oilers, or they talked to you rather, before you got drafted, and you told them that you weren't really interested in getting drafted by them. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, there was had some meetings with them, and and the the big question there was if it if it came down and the picks worked out and everything fell into place, if if they did have a chance to take me, if I if that was something I would have liked, and I pondered over it a long time. Obviously, I grew up wanting to be an Oiler, but at that point in time, I wanted to, you know, just just go somewhere else and experience something else and kind of pave my own way and, you know, do it for me. Not that anything would have been different if I was chosen here, but, um, you know, that was just very important to me at the time, and uh, I don't regret the decision at all. So the typical answer from most guys is like, I don't care who I get drafted by, I'm just happy to be drafted. Is that really true, or do players actually have a team that they want to get drafted by i'm sure some do but uh i think you have to put yourself in this position to be able to have a team where you want to get picked by everyone probably has their favorite teams or like you know teams that are currently very successful or have or maybe the opposite unsuccessful so might have room for you know you to come in and play earlier and for me um i just i honestly can say that i remember sitting there at the draft and I really didn't care which team, you know, when it when it came down to, you know, where we were guessing I was going to go somewhere around there as every team came up, you know, I, I thought I would be in my head being like, hey, hopefully it's here or Sorry, hopefully picturing, it's not here. But, picturing yourself in but that But that city. wasn't it at all. I would just hear and wait until they heard, like, they usually announce the the hometown or the, the junior or college team the guy's playing for first and wait to hear if it started with Edmonton and then, <laughs> and then I'd be like, okay, next one, next one. <laughs> well, so then I guess you were happy when you heard uh, Edmonton Oilers or Edmonton Oil Kings from Carolina then. Yeah, for sure. And and the funny thing is, too, a good buddy of mine, Travis Awanek, we were like both kind of slated in the same in the, in the third round area. And he actually went to pick right after me. So when I heard... Edmonton Oil Kings, I was like, oh, no, it's probably You're like, guys, I've I've already been drafted. I know you all want me, but you can't get me. So when I heard them say it the first time, I'm like, no, this might be Trav, or even Mike Mike St. Croix was was pretty highly touted that year. He was highly touted that year. Talk about nerve-wracking, just (laughs) sitting there. So Edmonton was my first cue, and then, uh, but from there, it wasn't over yet because there could have been a, numerous guys it could have been too. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So then uh, when you got to, I guess, Charlotte for your first season of pro hockey, um, what like lived up to the expectation and what was kind of surprising about the whole experience? Uh, the experience was a lot, not different than I thought, but, you know, there's a lot of things you don't think about. Uh, when you're in junior, you just, I mean, I was lucky enough to live at home, but you just show up to camp, you get placed in a house and you just worry about playing and I guess going to school when you're young but you know you get there and went through the 
the nerves of the first, it wasn't my first NHL camp, but like the first NHL camp of where I knew I was turning pro and I was going to, you know, either be in Carolina or in Charlotte or possibly even the East Coast League. Um, so, you know, all the nerves of that going through and then got assigned to Charlotte and then, uh, you know, just basically starting all over again, like a three-week camp trying to earn my spot there. And then, you know, one, once that happens, having to find an apartment for the first time and furniture. and It's a lot of new stuff all at once. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... Those are all the things you don't think about. You knew they were coming in your mind, but like they, they all come all at once and, and it ends up going by super fast. Um, did you have any rituals like in junior that you carried over to pro hockey or or did you just kind of wipe the slate clean? Um, rituals, I mean like I've always kind of, I've always kind of warmed up, warmed up the same way, you know, like my schedule at the rink, my, my game day changed a little bit um a little bit when i turned pro because i had to cook my own pre-game meals either that or go go out yeah. and grab a bite to eat in my first year victor ask and i lived together and we ended up because we didn't want to spend our time cooking on game day so we went out to an italian spot for our pre-game meal so all that kind of stayed the same and as far as like superstitions and stuff i've always tried not to get into that but it's, it's really hard it's really hard not to like you know you you have a good game and then you remember something you had done before the game even if it's just like the shirt and tie option you wear or man it's or human nature like and the I'm second like, oh, something I should, happens I should wear that again but that so sometimes I go with it and I wear it again but sometimes I'm like no I'm not I'm gonna wear the other one and then either, either way either you're gonna play good or you're gonna play bad and then it's going to be because of that or it's not going to be because of that so <laughs> so i'm going to ask you about a specific date and tell me if you know what the date is april 9th 2015 2015 the first nhl game first nhl <laughs> game who'd you play philadelphia philadelphia flyers so first nhl game first nhl fight and second nhl fight in <laughs> one game I have to say, I was watching that game and I remember you cross-checking someone in front of the net and I didn't know who it was and then I saw Le Cavalier and I just kept thinking like, no, he's not going to fight him. He's not going to, holy shit, he's fighting Vinny Le Cavalier. <laughs> so can you walk me through that? Because that was insane. Yeah, I mean, well, the whole game was pretty jittery in the first place, you know, like I was kind of a blur looking back on it. Um, everything that day or from the day before when I heard the news, but um, you know, I, I, I didn't even have the, you know, usually when I'm playing and I'm comfortable, like um, on my regular team and stuff, like, you know, every guy who's coming down on you, you know who you're battling with, but like, I was just trying to, you know, play my game and, <laughs> and make no mistakes. And then uh, I remember the shift, I think, he he ran me pretty good in the corner on the four check and the puck came out there was it was up at the point and we were just jockeying for position in front of the net and I was kind of working him with the stick and I might have got him you know below the shoulder bats with the cross check and might then, have accidentally on purpose got him there yeah and then he and then he turned around and said we're going so I mean I was I was so uh so it was him it, that initiated it yeah so I, I i mean i was i was working him and yeah he, he was working me and then he turned around where was going and i was so yeah. like i had no idea who it was i i had been out against the, the fourth line most most of the time but we were on the road so i didn't like i said i didn't know who it was either until after and uh yeah it was 
Definitely, definitely wasn't looking for something like that my first game. No, but, sure made know, an impression. Things just took over, and uh, <laughs> that's yeah, good. That's, that's that. why you train, right? That's that. So then I was watching the second fight. Well, I watched both fights, but I was watching the second fight again the other day. And he says something to you after the second fight. Do you know what he said? No, I have no idea. No it was, idea. It was it was so loud in there. And I've, yeah. And like I said, the, the entire game was a blur from start to finish. So. <laughs> Do you think like with more, so say, well, Junior is a little quieter, but say like in a normal NHL game, like experienced guy, would they hear what certain fans are yelling or would they like, are you pretty aware of everything that's going on or is it like just like a total blur and like total like pandemonium with, with the sound uh it all depends it all depends on the game on the game or the rink or the point in time usually like i mean sometimes there's rinks you play in where you can uh if you're talking fans you can hear fans yelling specific things and i mean more common in like junior in the american league when the rinks aren't completely sold out and stuff but uh um in in a rink like that or even like some of the the buildings we played in like Portland and Edmonton and like the finals of the Western League, it's so loud in there that you can't really hear a lot of what's going on, even what other guys are saying sometimes. Yeah. Um, so this off season you signed with the Oilers. Is that a big deal for you? Yeah, really big. I mean I mean Was like, there any nostalgia that carried over from being a kid and a fan, or does that kinda of get eliminated as you become a pro? Um I mean a little bit, but like for me it was more just you know, I've played uh, four years pro now, and I've established myself as a, you know, a steady American League defenseman. But I still believe, and um, sounds of it, they still believe in me having more potential than that. And I know I have a lot more to give, and um, it's not always the quickest path. So, you know, there's a few different teams interested, and Edmonton being one of them. I mean, I'm older now. It's been six years since since the draft, and what we talked about about you know, me wanting to find my own way, own way and being more mature now. And I just, I've, I've proved it to myself and I, I know that I can, I can do it. And I know I can do more than I have done at the pro level. So if I can, am able to do that in an Oilers jersey, then obviously make that that much more special. So kind of going in the same vein as paving your own way, you've worn number four your whole career. If you did again, up, end up getting up to the Oilers, I mean, if Chris Russell weren't there, would you, <laughs> would you wear four? And the other question is, would Chris Russell be like, nah, you take four, man. It's yours. What do I've, you think? I've, I've never met the guy, but I would definitely not, definitely not ask no, him. No, you never ask like him. That. Yeah, but um, he, I would... If he weren't there, would it, you wear it? If he weren't there, I would talk to... Um, the big man? Dad first, and <laughs> I'm sure... I would think he would he would <laughs> like me to wear it, but uh, I would all I would I'd love to wear it. It's the only number pretty much I've ever worn my entire career. I think there was one year like in in Bantam or something that that I didn't get number four because they had certain size jerseys and it was like the only big jersey and we had a giant guy on our team that had to wear it. <laughs> so ever since then, I've I've been lucky enough to get four every year when I when I went to Charlotte. Um, someone had worn four the previous year and wanted to switch that year so I landed there and then when I got traded to Montreal and got assigned to St. John's um, the same guy I got traded for wore number four there so I got number four there it's a swap force yeah exactly so well um, if there's such a thing as destiny I'd say that's a pretty good reason for you (laughs) to be able to wear it yeah 
Um, so you're working out this off season. Who are you working out with? Uh, working out with Simon Bennett and uh, a few guys have been we've been together for a long time training. Uh, Colin Smith, Reese Scarlett, um, Kyle Brodziak, and Ryan Stanton. We've been training together for. I've been training with Simon and a couple of the guys for. She's probably I think at least ten years now, and then. Um, as a group, we've been together for the last four or five summers, so it's it's always nice to come back and see the guys in the summer. What's the dynamic there? Like, it must be, like, you guys are old buddies, obviously, but when it comes to crunch time, like, you know that you're going to push yourself, and they know how hard you can push yourself. Like, it must be a pretty good situation. Yeah, no, we, we have tons of fun. Uh, we push each other, and we, you know, chirp each other, and, you know, get the most out of each other. Everything, everything becomes a competition in a good way, and... Uh, you know, Who's the most competitive guy out there? I mean, me and uh, <laughs> me and Colin Smith butt heads a bunch in the gym. Not butt heads, but we always we're always pushing each other and seeing what the other guy did to see see who can do more, or do it fist quicker, or faster, or more yeah. powerful, or whatever. So he's a guy I love training with because you know, like I said, we push each other a lot, so it's good. And then uh, you know, we're 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 all the same in terms of our work ethic. We we enjoy going to the gym. We've got a good group and everybody's fun to be around, so it's good. Yeah, you don't get to that level that you guys are all kind of currently at without having an excellent work ethic, right? Yeah, I mean, if if you don't, like, yeah, like you said, there's, there's, there's no way of keeping up with everybody else because everybody's doing a ton. And, but at the same time, like I said, you have to have fun. Like, if, if we're not going in there and having fun and joking around with each other, it'd be... It'd be a lot of hours in the gym. Yeah. You enjoy it, you, so you're not happy wanting to, do to it. be there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what's an average day of training look like? Like, what today look like? Uh, today, so as we get later in the summer, obviously our training changes. But today we we're in the gym. Uh, we our workout started at eight o'clock, so I'd get there about seven thirty, seven forty, and just do some stretching and warming up some of my own stuff that I need to take care of, and then you know we'll get into a warm up, and then. We do, like I said, it's later in the summer, so there's a lot more like quickness stuff. So we do a bunch of quick feet drills and stuff, um, and then get into some lifts. Today we had some lifts, lower body. Uh, so by the time it was all said and done, pulling out of there at about 11 o'clock, so good three hours in the gym. Grab some lunch, come home for an hour, and then uh, go on the ice. So I was on the ice for, for another hour in the afternoon, and then by then, pretty gassed. So. Uh, do you stick to any specific uh, nutrition plan while you're out there? Uh, I mean, in terms of like, I'm not super picky, but there there's always like a, I guess a plan um, in my head because I always you know in in terms of more timing and and the amounts that I eat you know I I usually have the same thing for breakfast every day a, a smoothie and then some eggs and toast or whatever oatmeal and then after the workout have a shake and then there's lunch when I get home and then try and have a snack before I skate and then another shake after the skate and then you are always eating a snack you're either eating preparing to eat or cleaning up from eating or working out or skating yeah it becomes it becomes a little bit exhausting but I mean are there any foods that you've gotten sick of you're just like you know what no more not never again <laughs> more go through go through phases like one one week I can just eat like you know chicken or whatever the the entire week and like it goes down easy and then the next you know one week I just can't even 
takes me five minutes to chew a piece of chicken. So tell us about the blender. <laughs> oh, the blender. <laughs> it only comes into play once in a while when I'm really, really need to get something in me, and I and I uh, am in a bit of crunch for time. And you know, sometimes you're just sitting there trying to eat a plate of food, and it won't go down. So. That's when the blender comes into play. Good old Vitamix. <laughs> grind it up and it goes down. Um, so what, what would you say your favorite part about playing pro hockey is? Um, it's a good question because there's there's obviously a ton of things and leave the obvious ones out in terms of just being able to play like the sport that you grew up loving for your job. I mean, that's obviously the easy one, but... Uh, if you ask any guy that that plays or plays for a long time, it'll always be, you know, the times just around the guys, away from the rink, and off the ice, like maybe in the dressing room. But for me, it's it's all the all the times when you're, uh, you know, with the guys, and at the times at that point in time, it's stuff that happens that you just can't believe it's happening, and then you look back on it like after the season's done and. You know, everybody's getting ready to go home and you're telling stories like, do you believe that happened? And uh, and and then you laugh about it and you're like, yeah, that was actually pretty funny. Um, Moments so, you share with those guys, are there any particular ones that stand out over the course of the season? I mean, there's there's a ton and I could probably pull, you know, a couple uh, or at least one from every year. But the, the biggest, most recent one I, I remember from this year is, or no, this was two seasons ago, actually. It's just times like this where we played three games in three nights. I believe we started in, we were in the Midwest there. So I think we played the first game Friday night in Milwaukee. Then we played Saturday night in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's like a four or five hour bus ride. So you get in at like two o'clock, sleep. It's not a big deal. Play the next, play the next day. But then the third game on a Sunday, when you do play a three and three set, is usually an afternoon game. So I think we're playing at one or two o'clock. It's insane. So night, night, afternoon, and you're busing to the next place after the first two games. Yeah, exactly. So that third, the first two aren't bad, but the third one is what gets you because you have like it's two o'clock. So from a seven o'clock game, it's always the five hour. It's five hours less you have to rest up again. So this particular time, we're going from Grand Rapids to Chicago. So we were, I think it's about a four and a half hour bus or something. So yeah. we leave after the game, pull out of the rink at like 10.30, 10.45 maybe. And uh, everybody's got their food on the bus. You order something before the game and we're all eating. And we get about an hour and a half into the trip just outside of uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. And our bus breaks down. <laughs> bus so, broke down in Kalamazoo. So no no big deal. We're sitting on the bus in a truck stop or something and they, they got to wait for a new bus to come. So we're there for a few hours or can't remember if they got a new bus or they got it going, but we're there for a few hours. And, um, it was at the same point in time, we were just outside of Kalamazoo, but we we're all on, you know, Twitter reading, reading what was going on. And, uh, there was a shooting going on in Kalamazoo. Um, no shit. A live shooting. So, we we're kind of following that and we weren't close enough to be like in, in the action. In the but, town, like right where you're broken down. Yeah, well, we were we were outside, so we were about twenty minutes away from where it was happening or whatever. But like, but it, Still. it was going on, and we're like, we're like, oh, like it was like one of those CNN breaking news things, and we're like, oh, Kalamazoo, and then some of the guys pull up their maps and realize we're right outside <laughs> Kalamazoo. So that just adds to it. Nothing happened with with that, but we end up getting back on our bus. We we're 
broken down for a couple hours. So we get into Chicago. I think the plan was to get into Chicago because we go back an hour. So we actually save an hour. The plan was to get in around, you know, 2.30 a.m., sleep until 10, have pregame meal, get to the ring, get going for the 1 or 2 o'clock game. But when we got into the into Chicago, we were at a new hotel and all the you know there's usually 20 or whatever there's 23 players so there's 12 rooms of two mm-hmm. guys to a room two beds double occupancy rooms and all the rooms were one bed in the room no so <laughs> and this had never happened before but it just had to happen on this night yeah so we get in there and but at this point we're supposed to get in at like two and it's like five thirty in the morning maybe six and they're trying to figure out this whole thing some guys are just like, okay, whatever, I'll sleep on the floor in the room, or two guys like, I'll share a bed, it's a king-size bed, whatever. They're, right, they're your teammates, you shower bed. together, you can <laughs> sleep in a bed clothed together. But some guys are like, no, I'm waiting it out. So <laughs> by the time everybody gets to sleep and figures out who's in what room and who's, who's staying where, and then you finally you know unpack and get settled in bed, and it's 8.30 in the morning, and you're playing a game in four and a half hours. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> Those, God. So everybody, and then you, at the end of the season, you just talk and it's one of those like, I can't believe this happened. And you just hate it at the time because you're so tired. And, yeah, you're mad, you're and angry. You're, like, how does this happen to me? But like sitting on the bus, that bus waiting for the new bus to come and you're just, everybody's talking and telling jokes or playing cards. Those are the funnest times. Yeah, exactly. When you get to just kind of shoot the shit and, yeah. and, and wait it out. And you were probably starving the whole time because you hadn't eaten in <laughs> two and a half hours. Yes, I was very hungry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you wake up every morning, what kind of drives you? What gets you out of bed? What kind of gets you going? I mean, just I still haven't done what I want to do. My goal is to play in the, I mean, first play regularly in the NHL. My first goal was just to play in the NHL, but no one wants to just just play. You want to you wanna be a regular, and then after that, you want to have a successful career, and ultimately you want to win a Stanley Cup. I mean, I think... That's the the number one goal um, overall by far. However you get there, whether it's your first year or whatever, but um, so that's 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 always in the mind whenever whenever you're on the ice and you know it's the middle of summer and you think if you should go out on the ice that day or if you know you still have two months till camp, but you know you just want to. You, you think about the ultimate goal and so are you able to channel that like in the middle of off-season training are you able to kind of if you're maybe feeling sluggish or sick or tired or whatever you just think like no like I want the cup like I'm, I'm, I'm killing myself for this I mean yeah it's 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 pretty easy like anytime anytime I'm tired it's you either think of that or you think about what you want to do and you haven't done it yet that's it's I mean that's usually right there I don't have to go farther than that and then and then there's you just know that everybody out there is is doing something and i just want to make sure i'm doing more than everybody else right competition's always improving yeah it's especially in the in these days with you know some players have whatever 30 for 30 series or like documentaries on following them around in the summer and seeing what they're doing and social media and stuff you 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 see what everyone's doing and you know they're doing something and it's right there you you know that 
Oh, they're letting their secrets yeah. out. Really, <laughs> yeah, what they exactly. should be what they should be doing is posting pictures of them with beer and partying every night. <laughs> yeah, I'm not well, doing I don't anything. need to train. <laughs> Look at what those other guys are doing. Sidney <laughs> Crosby can shotgun beers every night. I can too. <laughs> um, over the course of oh, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be your career, but maybe even your life. Is there any like failure or screw up that kind of sticks out, but that is your favorite because you really learned an important lesson? Um, I mean, n- none that really stick out, but they, screw up in, screwing up on the ice or something like that, something in like a big situation where you're like, well, I'll never do that again. I mean, none, none that really stick out, but like they, they happen, they happen all the time and whether they're in big situations or not, it's just, you, you always, you always remember whether it's a mistake or just a, a dumb penalty or a penalty in general whatever or just like missing a prime chance to score which don't come very often for defensemen so um you you always remember them and sometimes it's hard hard to forget about them if uh you know there's there's years where um you want to be in a defensive and a reliable defenseman but you want to chip in on offense and you're you know a month into the season you still don't have a goal or something and it's a crucial time in the game and you get a prime chance and you know you miss the net or something those are just like they they always stay in your mind until you can until you can write that wrong you know <laughs> right exactly well, that's good good to remember yeah um so here's a random question but if you could have three guests over for dinner who would they be and why it could be anyone it could be athletes artists you know musicians philosophers scientists astronauts <laughs> I mean, it would it would ch- it would change all the time. But for me right now, I'm pretty fascinated with the whole Tesla craze and ah, Elon Musk behind there. So he's he'd definitely be in there. Um, he'd be wildly interesting. Yeah, I mean, I probably wouldn't even be able to understand a bunch of the stuff he would say at no. dinner. But I would, the fact that he's saying I would, it, I, would I appreciate. Still, it. I would still like to. I would still like to hear his plans because he what he's doing already he must have plans for after that and it's obviously going to be much bigger and better than what he's doing now so oh yeah he's I, he's macro he's thinking 20 years i'd love years i'd love to hear that 10 15 20 year plan of what he wants to do and how he's going to do it yeah before and, anybody else knows any other two um or just you and elon hanging out yeah no just no probably not uh, enough food if you invite more people i think uh I think right now it would be uh, just with all the craze of this fight going on. I'd love to have a chat with Conor McGregor and just hear, hear, hear what the real Conor McGregor is like. If it's if it's the same as <laughs> it's, if it's the same as the Conor McGregor we see, and and just talk about you know his his training and and kind of what drives him because yeah. he seems like he seems like he's quite the animal in, in how he trains. But there's tons of people like that. He's a popular answer, actually. He was he was one of the answers for my last guest, Drew, who's a boxer. Yeah, um, makes more sense for him. Can you can you imagine though if he was just some like mild mannered, quiet little Irish boy? Hey, thank you very much for dinner. Yeah. It's very nice of you. To have yeah. you know, kind regards to the lady. Yeah, I, I, that's my I, shitty Irish accent. I I I more want to know just if if he's putting on a show and marketing himself, or if that if that's real Connor, because I don't know if he can. <laughs> You can keep that up for for an entire life. You wear yourself out. One way to find out. Yeah, exactly. So Elon, Connor, and one last guy. And then I'll leave one that I've, that I've always said when I heard this.
question is uh, my dad's father Clifford because he's the only grandparent he died when my or our dad was young and um, he's the only grandparent that isn't alive now True. and I've never met before so I'd Respect. love just to Good answer. hear stuff uh, about his life heard a lot about him but and you know stories about my dad misbehaving as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he sounded like a gem. Wise, wise, wise dude. Um, so we'll end off on one last question. And it would be if you had um, a young kid who was interested in being a professional athlete, what one piece of advice would you give to that person? Um, definitely, definitely if it was a young kid in any sport, but more specifically hockey, just because I've seen it and been through it. And seeing how crazy some parents and coaches and stuff are at an extremely young age is yeah. just to make sure they know just to have fun well th their entire career but especially when they're a kid not to overthink anything not to let their parents or their coaches push them to do stuff they don't want to do like they have to you know when the season's over enjoy their summer and not be you know getting bag skated in the summertime when they're 10 years old and stuff like that because you know, you just see a lot of kids when you're going to the rink to skate yourself in the summertime who don't look like they're having fun it's and look like out. they're just like getting pushed and they're losing their love for the game that that um, I love and tons of people love. So it would just be to have fun and not, not let anybody push you to do things you don't want to do. It's a great answer. I think if you're not having fun, then you're not doing it right. Yeah. Cool. Keeks, thanks a lot for this. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Guest number two. Guest number two in the books. All right, we'll talk to you later. See ya.